1: Now, the brothers, now, they came near to Joseph, and he needed to give them a further encouragement that, 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 all's gonna be different from here on out. And so he says in verse four, come near to me, come near to me, I pray you. Now, we read those words, I pray you, but in the Hebrew, it has the connotation of now, now. In other words, there's something very distinct now. As compared to the past, it was going to be, I am your, I am Joseph, your brother, and you are to receive me as your brother, and, 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 and I will receive you as my brothers, and that's gonna be the family that we never were. We never were this family of you having received me and really accepted me as your brother, and, and, and so this is all gonna be different now. So he uses this Hebrew word, now, nah, which means now. Now, that's the way it is for us as believers, because we have this family basis of drawing near to God, which is what is emphasized in Galatians 4.4. In Galatians 4.4, it says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This means that God the Father sent the Lord Jesus to redeem us so that we could receive the adoption of sons. And then because we are sons, then we can cry out to God, Father. That's the basis for our coming close to God. It's our adoption as sons into the family. So the basis for them to draw near is what he's saying in verse four, this Genesis 45, four. I am Joseph, your brother. Now then he goes on to say, in that verse, verse four, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now this is really something, because everything seems to be going so well in the reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers, I mean, he's encouraged them to join him in caring for their father. Jacob, he's warmly, he's affectionately invited the brothers to come close to him. The brothers had come close to him. He's emphasized that he is their brother. I mean, everything's going so well. And then all of a sudden, like a bomb he says, I am, "I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt." Of all the things to bring up right now, you know, I mean, I mean, the selling of him as a slave into Egypt just seems to be—it's so awkward, it's so uncomfortable a subject to be to be put on the table now. Why in the world do you think that Joseph brought this up now? I mean, this is the real elephant in the room. It shows that he is. He shows that he remembers, okay, what else do you think? Why do you bring this up? Okay, so he's setting the foundation for going on to his next point, which is that God sent him down there, okay? What else, anybody got anything? Okay, good, okay, what Joseph is after here is a complete and thorough reunion with his brothers where nothing could threaten this reunion. Now, there are two problems. (laughs) There are two problems that could threaten their reunion. There are two problems that could threaten their reconciliation. What are those two problems that could threaten the reunion between Joseph and his brothers? Okay, grief and anger. Okay. These two problems that could threaten the the reconciliation here between Joseph and his brothers are the same two problems that can threaten any reconciliation and any reunion. And that's why there's so much divorce today, because these problems are not dealt with. And the first potential problem that threatens any reconciliation is if the offended party this is Joseph in this case, does not fully forgive the offending party, party, which is the brothers, which are the brothers. You know, if someone says, okay, you know, we're going to make up, but, you know, but they don't really forgive, that relationship is heading for a breakup. That's what's going to happen. And Joseph did not want their relationship to break up. So Joseph wanted to show them that he fully forgave them for what they had done to him, which is what you were saying to him, this is the, he, he remembers. So Joseph brings up right off the bat what they had done to him, and, and he lays it right out in the open to show them that, look, I am squarely looking at when, when you sold me as a slave, and with that in view, I'm saying, come near to me. He probably wanted to make sure he didn't have a knife in his hand or something. <laughs> But that's the first reason that Joseph said, I am your brother whom you sold into Egypt. And the same is true for us. If we are the offending party and God is the the offended party and we need this assurance that God has fully forgiven us and, and that assurance that God has forgiven us and it's all seen and it's out in the open is given to us in Colossians 2.13. In Colossians 2.13 is where is like God saying, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, because there it says, and you, in Colossians 2.13, and you, being dead in sins, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Forgiven all your trespasses, his cross. It's at the cross. It's at the cross where we see that God forgave all our sins. That's where judgment of all our sins is in plain view. It's where we see that he nailed all our offenses So the cross, the cross is where we hear God saying, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. The cross is where we hear God saying, I forgive you of all your offending sins against me because here's the judgment of them. And our reconciled relationship with God is made complete when we look and God looks at the cross and we see there God has forgiven us. So that's the first reason. The second reason Joseph brought it up, was to bring his brothers to come out and do what? Yeah, repent. Confess it. Confess the wrong that they most dreaded to face. When Joseph said, I am your brother, uh, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, he was actually helping his brothers. He was like taking them by the hand and says, come on, guys, and I'm going to bring you along so that you can face it and confess it. I mean, the brothers had already said to him, they already said to him their sin, only they thought it was Zathnath-Paneah that they were talking to. <laughs> In Genesis forty four sixteen, 16, Genesis 44, 16, Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord, and what shall we speak, and how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants. So they'd already told him they already told him, God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. But, but now it was time to confess it to Joseph, their brother, and not just to Zathnath-Paneach, whoever that person was. Because unless they confessed their sin to Joseph, their relationship was going to be strained, it was going to be superficial, and it was going to be in danger of breaking up again. And that's the same as true of us. The same is true of us in our reconciled relationship with God. We must confess our sins to God and bring them out in the open just like Joseph did. Otherwise, there's going to be no reconciled relationship with God. That's why it says in 1 John one 8, 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So that's why it's so important that that if we if we say well we don't have any sin, then the relationship is over. But if we confess our sins, then he forgives us, he cleanses us, and the relationship is there. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. Says he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. He that, but whosoever two things confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So it says again in in, in Psalm fifty one. Psalm fifty one. This is David's great Psalm of confession after his the issue with Bathsheba and, and Uriah. He says, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So when Joseph coupled his invitation to come near with bringing up their sin, you know, verse 4, come near unto me, I pray you, I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt. That is exactly what God says to sinful man when he says in Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118, come now. This is an invitation from God. Come now, though your sins be as scarlet. Oh, why does he have to bring that up? You know, they shall be white as snow. See, there's God's invitation to man to come near, and there's also God's bringing up man's sin at the same time that when he's inviting man to come near to him. So, you know, they came near and Came near, he says, "I'm Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt." See, they had to get near. Kind of whispers to them to them, right? They come near, and he, and he. Why does he do that? He speaks in a voice that couldn't be heard outside that door, that's shut. And for him, it was a door that shut. Who was on the other side of this door? The Egyptians. Egyptians were there. You know what's going on. We hear all this crying and wailing. You know. And that's in keeping with verse 1, when Joseph asked all the Egyptians to leave the room while he made himself known to his brethren. It shows us here how confession of sins is not a public affair. It's not a public affair. It's only between the offended party and the offender, and beyond that, it's private. I'm talking about reconciliation. Reconciliation is dependent on the brothers confessing and repenting. It's possible and it should be. For us to forgive, It always that's always what we should do. It's possible for us to forgive and not be reconciled with the offender. So we see in this reconciliation the responsibility. There's responsibilities here. The responsibility of the offended, that's Joseph, and the responsibility of the offended, that's the brothers. Joseph was responsible to forgive. He was responsible to forgive whether or not his brothers repented or not. He had to forgive. Otherwise, Joseph would have been letting in a root of bitterness to spring up in his heart, and we're warned to not let that happen. In Hebrews 12, 15, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness causes a lot of soul trouble, and it spreads to our soul and it affects people also. Forgiveness is between us and God. God says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Forgiveness has no conditions. As we see the Lord Jesus doing when he was forgiving those who were crucifying him, and there was no evidence that they were confessing and repenting their sins. You know, now, you know, I want to tell you, I'm really sorry to have to do this, but you know, no. <laughs> And he says in Luke 23, 34, Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. So we're told to forgive even when a person is not showing any any evidence of, of confessing and forsaking, even when a person is making a mockery of confession and repentance. And he really doesn't mean it. Like, for example, in one day, if he just, Keeps on doing the same thing. He says, I repent, I repent, I repent. The Lord says in Luke 17, 4, 17, 4, Luke 17, 4, if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee and say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. See, so if a person just keeps sinning against you and just lightly says, sorry about that, sorry about that. You know, I repent, I repent. Just says seven times in the same day. Those magic words. You know, I repent. You can't be mad at me. I'd said I repent. Okay. We're to forgive him. Clear the person. It's very clear the person who's doing the seven times at the same time. He hasn't repented at all, but we have to forgive him. Even when he makes a mockery. Sorry about that, sorry about that. Now, that's the responsibility of the offended, to forgive, and that's what Joseph did. Now, there's a second responsibility of the offended, and we see it here in Joseph. Joseph, at this time, he didn't, he didn't rail on them. You know, he didn't say, Oh, yeah. Okay. I understand you're sorry, but you guys, you should be put to death or at least thrown into prison for as long as I was a slave in prison. I mean, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Let me tell you what I had to endure because of you. First, there was the pain when you betrayed me and stripped me of my, of my coat. And, and then there was the terror that you caused me by throwing me into that waterless pit in the hot desert to die. And then there was a the humiliation of being sold it wasn't even a high price it was, a cheap price as a slave. And then there was the pain of my feet from being shackled in prison. And I can't even describe to you those horrible years in the prison, what they were like. There was none of that. There was none of that at all. And that shows us the second responsibility of the offended. The second responsibility, the offended is responsible to not rub their nose in it. And the offended has to think about the poor offender. He has to think about how weak and how bruised his conscience is. He's got to put himself in the shoes of the offender and imagine himself filled with all the guilt and the shame and the anguish over what he's, what he's done, even if you don't see it on the surface. Now, the offended is responsible to hold up and to support the offender as we just see Joseph's doing. The offended, Joseph, has got to open for the offender the way to heaven and shut the way to hell. And and in other words, the offended has got to care for the poor soul of the offender to not see that offender sink into a state of despair. And that's what it means to live out the gospel. The gospel's good news. It's good news about being forgiven. So the, the, the person who's been hurt it, 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 it's more than just giving the, 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 the person who hurt him. Well, here's the gospel tract. Just read this and, and do what it says. But he is responsible to act out like God does when he forgives. He says in Psalm 103, verse 2, Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. The offended person's got to remember, I've been forgiven by a lot by God. This person doesn't even know about what I've been forgiven for. See, he's responsible to care for the offender. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, are you kidding me? You know, I've been offended. I've been hurt. I'm supposed to care for the person who hurt me? That's exactly what Joseph's doing here in verse 5, when Joseph says, now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For here, Joseph, he's thinking about the two natural feelings that his brothers would feel. First, a grief. Or what did we do? Oh no, it's so terrible. And then that morphs, morphs into an anger. I'm so mad at myself for having done that. And so Joseph, you see here, he's feeling their feelings and he's giving them the same counsel that he has used so often in his life, in his own life. Don't let your feelings run wild. Put the harness on your feelings. Gridle that horse. And that, that, that grief and that anger is going to overwhelm you. And so, so we see Joseph here. He's doing this. Now he's also thinking about their future in verse six. And he tells them that, look, you know, it's, this is only the beginning here, verse six. For these two years that the famine had been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. So he's thinking how I gotta, you gotta let me take care of you. I gotta take care of you. And just imagine Joseph then taking care of the very ones who robbed him of his youth, who took away his freedom as a boy and as a man, selling him into a slave. And, and he's saying to them in verse seven, no, God sent me before you to preserve a prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He's telling him that his mission in life is is to take care of them. Boy, what a prince he is. But but he's showing us the responsibility of of when we're hurt that we we have. Now, as we've seen already, the, the offender, the person who hurt the person, he also has two responsibilities. Confess clearly. Joseph was helping him when he says, you know, I'm, I'm helping them to say, say the words. We sold our brother into Egypt and repentance. Forsake that hatred. Forsake that hatred. Now we return to this first responsibility of the offended party, Joseph, which is that he must first and foremost forgive the offender, whether or not he has repented or not. This is the hardest thing that a person has, can do it's to forgive the person who wronged them. It's so hard. It was hard for Joseph to do this. I mean, you might look at Joseph and says, "Well, it was easy for Joseph. He is just, you know, he's 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 unusual." <laughs> like, you know, so he can do that. He didn't have a hard time of it. He did. Joseph had a hard time of it. You know, in it always bothers me in in Spanish and French, you know, someone says, "I'm sorry," and you know, the, the the response is "de nada" or "de rien," you know. or, 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 you know, which means it's nothing. Or as it is so commonly said in English today, no problem, you know. Well, what if a drunk driver hits a car and kills a man's wife? And the driver says, I'm sorry, is the man supposed to say, it's nothing, no problem. (laughs) I'll I'll get another wife. (laughs) So when the brother said to Joseph, you know, essentially, we are sorry. Was Joseph supposed to say, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing, you know, it wasn't a denada. It was a de todo. It was everything, you know. And this is the struggle that Joseph has as to how he's supposed to forgive his brothers. How are you going to do that? And this is what's so great about the Bible here is that it lets us see the struggle that Joseph was going through to forgive his brothers. And we can see this in verses five through eight because there's a strong emphasis in these verses of one thought. There's a strong emphasis of one thought in verses five through eight. What does Joseph say three times in verses five through eight? That's it, it wasn't you that sent me. So here we have this emphasis three times, three times, God sent me, God sent me, not you, God sent me. And when you see this three times, you can see a struggle in the soul of Joseph. You can see the struggle. You can see Joseph saying, oh God, I'm not such the nice guy that everybody thinks I am.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org.
1: Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia, headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scantabodies Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016
0: or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com.